Good morning. Now, I, I, I don't know if that response to the kids has any reflection on the energy level in this room among the adults, but I hope that you guys are going to be a little bit more present than that. How are you kids doing? I don't think they were ready for it. So I, I'm getting you guys ready, okay? So you guys ready? Oh, wow. You guys are bad. We got to wake up. This is... Can we open the windows maybe and get some fresh air going in here? I hope you guys online are a little bit better than this crowd. They're not doing so well. Hey, um, it is good to be here this morning, though. It's good to be with you guys. Today is a big day. Did you know that? Now, we all know that next week is a big day, right? Easter's a big day. Everybody ready for Easter? Okay. Hey, uh, big days. I want us to think about it. That's what we're going to be thinking about today. What's some big days? Big days that you're thinking about in history. Big days that have happened. Things that have happened in history. Some of them are obvious. They're recent, right? So like 9-11 comes to mind. That was a life-changing kind of history-shifting type of an event. Um, D-Day for an older uh, generation. D-Day was a big day. Um, I want us to think about, though, what are some of those days that, that maybe changed everything? Like the day that fire was discovered. Imagine that shifted some things around, right? How about, how about your birthday? The people sitting next to you go, yeah, that changed everything. That's right, right? <laughs> birthday, um, the day the coronavirus jumped to human beings. That kind of made life different for us, didn't it? Big days. Okay, I want you to think about something. Um, Jesus rose from the dead. Big day, Right? right? That changed everything. Um, we are going to be celebrating that in a week. I know that we said that on the announcement where we're going to be celebrating that next week. We're going to be over at Cole Middle School up the hill, across the street, if you don't know where that is, from this church. You guys, I hope you'll be there. And I hope you'll not just be there, but I hope that you will actually invite somebody with you. I don't know that you've noticed, but we are having a hard time getting back to church. Right? Everybody's back to, you go to restaurants and they're full. You go to sporting events and they're pretty much maxed out. A lot of workplaces, they're, we're pretty much up to normal again. But going back to church, people are having a hard time getting there. So invite somebody, right? Because, and I want you to think about this, just in the same way that Easter, that first Easter, changed everything. Maybe it could be that this Easter could change everything for somebody starting on that day. Maybe that could be a big day for someone. So think about it. Think about who is that person that maybe God has put right next to you, has put right next to you at your home or at your workplace or at your school or something, but that you could bring along with you. Because I believe that next week is going, to be, is going to be a big day. It always is. Easter is always a big day with God. Amen? Amen? All right. Today we're going to be talking about another big day because uh, up until Easter, this was the day. It got eclipsed a week later, but on the day that it happened, Palm Sunday was the big day. Did you guys know that? Historically, Palm Sunday was the day that everybody was looking forward to and they were thinking, this is going to be the day that changes history. Everybody who was there believed it in that moment that this is the day that everything just kind of, uh, just everything centers around and we're going to be looking at, uh, we're going to be reading about uh, Palm Sunday today. We're going to be looking into that. Palm Sunday was kind of like that day when that long shot candidate that you were hoping for, your favorite, but that didn't have a, a, a chance in the world, all of a sudden it looks like on that, that final stretch, it looks like they might be the one that comes into office. 
It's that kind of a feeling. Palm Sunday was, or you're at the racetrack. Maybe some of you guys go to the racetrack and you watch a race, you know, and, and all of a sudden this out of nowhere, this, the, the, you're, you're kind of the one that roots for the, the no chance in the world horse, right? And you're going, yeah, they don't have a chance. Nobody's better. But all of a sudden in that last stretch, they seem to be pulling ahead. That's what Palm Sunday felt like for these people. It had the, uh, the, the hopes, the expectations of a whole nation of hundreds of years were resting and they were coming to, to kind of focus on this one day on Palm Sunday. And so it was all the excitement, all the crowds, all the shouting, all of that was there, okay? That's what Palm Sunday was. And so if you wanna stand with me, uh, we're gonna read in Luke 19, just a couple of verses, 19, 37, well, three verses, 37 through 40. We're gonna read about what Palm Sunday, Luke's account of Palm Sunday, it says, as Jesus, now he's already explained how people are going in front of Jesus, throwing their, their coats on the road, they're grabbing branches off of trees and waving them in the air, and they're, they're shouting, they're, they're excited, but he picks it up and he says, as Jesus was approaching Jerusalem near the road that descends from the Mount of Olives. Now the Mount of Olives is to the east of Jerusalem, and so he's coming down this road down the side of the Mount of Olives, and it says, the whole crowd of disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen, shouting, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now, some of the Pharisees who were in the crowd, they said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Tell them to simmer down, right? <laughs> Tell them to just shh. Now, um, there are reasons for that, but Jesus said, listen to what he says. I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. That's a big day, right? When the rocks are on board, right? I mean, it's like if these guys get quiet, we gotta get ready to a shout. Have you guys ever heard a rock shout? I haven't either, right? But Jesus said, if these ones be silent, the rocks are gonna cry out. You guys, you know, essentially he's saying, you know what, you can't turn this off on this day. You can't shut it down. If people are silent, even those inanimate objects will start shouting. Trees know about this. Heaven knows about this. All of the earth knows about that. Rocks will cry out. The question for us today is this. Could it be, could it be, that not just next week, but could it be that today, could it be that today is God's big day for us? Could it be that God's big day is today? Could you believe that? Would you believe that maybe God is right here and he's saying, you know what, this is the day that I've planned for you. What would it take to see that? What would it take to be there and realize that? And what would it be that might be getting in our way so that like those Pharisees, we're right there, but we don't see it. What might it be that keeps us from seeing that, that causes us to miss it? Today's message is, is titled, Could It Be When Rocks Will Cry Out? Amen? Father, today we want to be, um, we want to be there with our eyes open and our ears open and our hearts available to you so that we can see what you're, you're doing, that we can join you with it, and that we can get just caught up in the excitement and the joy of being involved in, in the big day that you have planned from before eternity, before history even began. You had these days marked out. You had them planned for how and when you would be meeting with us and seeing us and engaging with us and bringing us into just the joy and the wonder of life with you. 
So Father, I pray that this day that you would mark it with your spirit, uh, with your presence, with your, uh, that this day would be your big day. Father, you have said that, that every day that we, we come before you can be that kind of a day. So Father, set this place apart for your work. Set, this, set our hearts and, and this time apart for your work. We pray this for your glory, Father. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior, and by the power of your spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks. You guys can have a seat. Okay, as you're sitting down, as you, I want you to turn next to, to somebody sitting next to you, right? I want you to say, you know what? Everything's changing right now. Okay? <laughs> yeah. See if that works, right? Everything changes right now. You guys, okay. So um, Carrie and I, we used to live in Denver. We've lived in Denver a couple of times. The first time, just before we moved away from Denver, we were living in this apartment. And we had two of our kids. They were little kids at the time. I was working a job that I had to get up at about 5.30, 5.45 in the morning. And often, regularly, I was not getting home till about 10 at night. So it was a long day. It was a long day, and I didn't get to see much of Carrie or the kids. And so our family time was really focused on the weekends, Right? And any amount of time that we could squeeze out of that during that season was, uh, was important, was valuable to us. So every once in a while, um, I would find that on Fridays, I could, my Friday route, I could actually kind of cut down the time. So I'd get home at a decent hour on, on Friday evening, and so we could spend more time, like in the afternoons, um, not early, you know, it's still a full day, but I'd get home a little bit early. Now, there was a particular Friday that I was out on my route, and I mean, I was, I was killing it. I was just, I was nailing this thing, and I got done, and it's 2.30 in the afternoon. Now, I had heard when I started this job that that was possible, but I had never been anywhere close to that. So I was excited. I was excited. I'm like, man, we get a full weekend this weekend. And so I, I'm, I'm pulling in, and I, I just, I park my truck, I grab my stuff, I get in the car, I'm headed home because I'm excited. I'm thinking Carrie is going to be thrilled, I'm going to walk in the door, she's going to be amazed that I got done this early, thrilled that I'm there, and I'm thinking, man, this is going to be so fun, and then I walk in the door. And the reception was not quite what I had imagined it to be. I said, hey, hon, I'm home, and she goes, no, Why? So, so immediately I'm like reassessing. I'm going, what, what did I miss, right? Because I, I thought we had been dreaming of this day. You know, I thought we had been just, just looking so forward to this day when we'd had this full weekend. And, and um, I, so I wasn't, this hadn't kind of played out the way that I had it in my mind. Now, I, I need to give you some backstory on that weekend because uh, Carrie on that particular Friday, that Friday, out of all other Fridays, I had all kinds of other Fridays. I was home late, you know, stuff like that. But on that particular Friday, everything had come together. She was planning this amazing weekend for us, you know, away. And so she had taken our kids and she had dropped them off at my parents' house down in Colorado Springs. That was an hour away and then an hour back. She had done all that driving. She had brought an outfit to my workplace and, and put it in my locker and told the front desk, she said, make sure when he stops by that, that you tell him to shower and change into these clothes before he comes home. Now, she had done all that with the expectation that as on every Friday that I was paid, I would stop in the front office and get my, my check, right? And she had even told me that morning, get your check after you're off work, 
right? That's the only thing. And, and so, but I was so excited, I had completely forgot that part. And I just went right past the front office and failed to trigger all these parts of Carrie's plan. And so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when I came in, no amazement, no excitement, right? So my triumphal entry <laughs> didn't happen on that day. Um, now, we did end up getting away, and Carrie's plan was great, and so we had a great time away, and, and, and so everything worked out once she kind of got me back on board. Um, Palm Sunday was that kind of a day, but it wasn't just, you know, this was God making his plan, and this wasn't just any normal plan that God had kind of set into motion. God's plan was to save the world. Now, now Carrie's plan was awesome, but God's plan on this Palm Sunday was to save the world. And actually what he, had, he was going to do, he had, he had decided that his son, who was the savior of the world, was going to walk in on that day to his city okay, that he had chosen, the city that, that housed his temple, the place that he had said, this is the place that I choose to reside among my people. Right? He was going to walk in, and he was going to go into that place. This was the city where, where his friend, David, he had set him up as his chosen king. So this was, a, this, was a, this was a big plan, a big event, and this was God's event, God's plan to save, save the world. And that Daniel, one of God's prophets, he had actually written about this, and he said, you know what? On this day, God's Messiah is going to walk through those gates, so get ready. Okay, Daniel, uh, Daniel 9, chapter 9, verse 24 to 25. Okay, Daniel was a prophet, lived 500 years before Jesus ever showed up, right? So 500 years earlier, Daniel's writing these things. This is what he writes. He says, 70 weeks have been decreed for your people and the holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end to sin, to make an atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. So he says, this is a big thing coming, okay? So no one discern this, that from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks because Jerusalem will be built again with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. Okay, just take that in. That's what all that he said. We're gonna unpack it a bit without going too deep into this, but I want you to follow with me. At the time Daniel wrote, Jerusalem was wiped out. The people of God had been carted off into captivity. There was nobody home. There was no city left. It had been leveled. There was no temple left. It had been leveled. And Daniel's writing uh, in captivity. And the angel says, but this is what's going to happen, okay? He says, one, the city is gonna be, this city is gonna be rebuilt and there's gonna be a decree and that's gonna trigger a timeline that you need to know about. First, there is a decree. Now, we know from history that decree was sent out. It was by a, a Persian king, so they were taken into captivity in Babylon. Babylon was taken over by Persia. Persia has them as captives but he says there is going to be, and that decree was made by Artaxerxes, the Persian king. We know this from history. On March 14th, 445 BC, we know that. Not a if, maybe, it's, we know that. On that date, they kept great records, we know that. The weeks that are talked about in this, in this prophecy um, is a poetic way of just saying sets of seven, okay? We think of a week as seven days. 
right? But he's talking about, Daniel's actually talking about sets of seven years. And so he says there are gonna be seven sets of seven years and then 62. So 69 sets of seven years. I know this is a lot of math. You guys are going, what class am I in? I thought this was church. We're talking about Jesus, right? Stay with me. 483 years. Okay, so we have a date, March 14th, 445. We have 483 years. Another thing that we have is this, that we know that the Hebrews and the Babylonians, when they looked at their year, they, they, especially when they were talking prophetically, but in general, they looked at the year as a very kind of ideal thing. And so they said, a year is made up of 12 months that has four weeks per month and has seven days per week. Well, that's 360 days. And we all know it takes 365 days in the third to go around the sun. We know that, right? That's why we have leap year and all those crazy things. They said, no, we're gonna look at a year as 360 days because that just makes it easier for everybody, right? And then we'll make up the days that we know the calendar has to shift so the sun comes up at the right time in the morning and stuff like that. We're gonna shift all that by holidays. You know, we'll put those in there or an extra month every few years. We'll throw that in there. But we're gonna do things that adjust it so that it actually fits reality, but we're gonna look at the years, 360 years. So what we have is 483 years, right? Those 69 sets of seven. 483 years, 360 days. You with me? 173,880 days. Everybody, you're gonna be tested on this later. Get this. If you take March 14th, 445 BC, and you lay out 173,880 days from that date, and you follow an actual calendar that has to take into account leap year and all that, the date you end up with, you end up on Sunday, April 6th, 32 AD, which is the Sunday just prior to Passover, just prior to Easter. You end up on Palm Sunday. On Palm Sunday, to the day, from the day that the decree went out. The decree went out 450 or 150 years after Daniel was writing itself. So he triggers a date 150 years after Daniel that then triggers a date 173,880 days after that day. And that's the day that Jesus walks in to Jerusalem. And that's the day Daniel said, the Messiah, the prince, is going to come into the city on that day. God had a day in mind. And he even told them the day, all right? So with all that, God told them the day. And then aside from that, you have these, these crowds that are around Jesus and they're going and they are, um, they're shouting from some of the messianic songs of the Old Testament in Psalm 118. They're, they're shouting, Hosanna to the king. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So there's crowds that are saying, that are saying this is the day and this is the guy, right? And with all of that, you're going, even with all of that, you have the rulers and the teachers and, and some of the priests that were heading up this thing and they completely don't see what's going on. All that they can think of to say to Jesus is, Jesus, you might wanna get your crowd to settle down, right? On that day, that's why Jesus says what he does, right? He says, you know what? If you quiet the crowds down, the rocks are going to start shouting because this is the day. This is it. Now, with all of that, you go, how in the world 
did they miss that day, right? These are, these are teachers of the Old Testament. They know who Daniel was. They knew about this prophecy. They had the same scriptures. They're reading it. They could count. They could lay all this stuff out. They could do the math. They were smart like that. How did they miss it? Because that's really the question that we ask, not just for them. We ask that about us sometimes too, don't we? We say, because we know that, like for me, to be clueless about Carrie's plan for a great weekend, that was, that was, that was bad, right? But to be clueless about God's plan for saving the world and the day that he's chosen and the person that he's chosen, that's not just devastating for a moment. You don't, you don't really get over that one. That one's devastating for a life. That's devastating for a people. And so how, how does that happen? It, it was so obvious. You know, it was obvious, not just from Daniel. Did you, did you remember what it said in Luke, what Luke said? Why were these people shouting? It says, they began to praise God joyfully with a loud sound for all the miracles that they saw. You know, in the book of John, it says that just prior to this day, Jesus had raised a guy, a guy named Lazarus from the dead. And everybody was hearing about that. Now, Lazarus being raised from the dead, that was just like the capstone of like three and a half years of miracles and of ministry that Jesus had done. He had been out there. He had been teaching with authority. He had been casting out demons. People who had seemed insane were put to their right mind. He had been feeding thousands of people with just a few loaves and a few fish. He had been healing people so that people that were born blind, they, they saw again. People that were born lame, they walked again. He had walked on water. He had calmed storms. He had done all these things. It was obvious there was something different about this guy. That was all out there for everybody to see. So by the time he gets to Jerusalem, it was obvious there's something different about this guy. There's something different about this day. So you say, how did they miss it? Well, here's the thing. I think they missed it <laughs> the same way that I missed. And I messed up my wife's plan, right? Why did I miss that? Because I had my own plan. I had my own timeline I was thinking about, and it didn't line up at all with hers. And I think a lot of times that's what we do. We have plans. They're just not God's. And because of that, when he shows up, it doesn't seem to help our plan. It doesn't seem to be an encouraging thing. It seems to be messing up our plans, right? Satan had a big plan. It just wasn't God's. It didn't work out so well. Adam and Eve had a big plan. It just didn't work out so well. These, these leaders in Jesus' day, they had a big plan. Their plan was they had this set of rules that they had set up for all these people. They said, you know, we know what we need to do in order to make these people right so that God will accept us again. That was their plan. The problem was that wasn't God's plan. God said, no, you're never going to work hard enough to be accepted. That's why I have to send my son. That's why, I have some, that's why there has to be a sacrifice, this grace. So when Jesus comes in, he's talking about grace and faith. That didn't, that didn't seem to them like somebody who is aligned with God because they're like, no, God's on our side. We got a great plan. God's all about our plan. So when Jesus showed up, he seemed like more like someone who was interfering and messing up stuff. So they didn't see him. Sometimes we have plans like that about how our life should go, right? And then God says, no, it's going this way. And you go, no, that's messing up the plan. 
Sometimes we have an idea of kind of the standard that we set up and we said, this is, this is what God's looking for. These are the requirements. And we've made them up. They have nothing to do with what God said. So when Jesus shows up, sometimes we just miss him. We can't even see him when he's right there in front of us. Another thing that comes along with those plans are our, our expectations, right? And in Jesus' day, the, the leaders they had this expectation. They expected that the Messiah, he was going to come in. He was going to be this great military hero. He was going to be this great politician. He was going to use power. He was going to defeat Rome. He was going to set up Israel as a kingdom. They were going to be on the top of the heap, and these leaders were going to be on the top of the heap with Jesus ruling, with that Messiah, Problem was, that wasn't God's plan. Instead, Jesus comes along, and who does he pick as his followers? He has fishermen, and he has hated tax collectors, and he's got you know, nobody that anybody's heard of. He says, no, this is how. This is how I saved the world. And they go, no, that's not the plan, Jesus. Right? And there's so many times that, again, our expectations. You guys, you think about it. There are times that we actually take that very same expectation. We expect that God's gonna use military might, that God's gonna use politics, that he's gonna use wealth, he's gonna use influence, he's gonna get behind us, and also we're gonna end up at the top of the heap. And that is how he's going to save us and save our world. But he showed through Jesus that has never been his plan, it's never gonna be his plan. Instead, even in, in Daniel 9, uh, or in Daniel 9, um, Daniel 9, where that prophecy comes from, when you look at some of the details that are in there, you know what he shows? He shows that his plan is all about sacrifice, about laying down your life, not about conquering lives of others. His life is about service, not ending up being up on the top of the heap, but actually setting yourself at the bottom of the heap so that you can serve others. He says, that's how I save the world. But those expectations, they just, they, Jesus is right in front of us and we miss them. Third thing that comes along with that, so we got our plans, we got our expectations, and then we have our desire for control, right? Because we have to control all the moving parts if this plan is gonna come to pass and if the plan doesn't come to pass and the expectations aren't gonna come to pass, so we have to be in control. And in Jesus' day, they did. They wanted control. They wanted control of the crowd. They wanted control of Jesus. They wanted control of the Romans. They wanted control of Israel so that God's plan, they could bring it in the way that they saw it. And we do the same thing, right? You guys, how often do plans and expectations that have nothing to do with God and the control that we try to grab hold of to make these things happen, how many times does that keep us from seeing God? That was what keeps the leaders from seeing God in that day. That's what keeps us from seeing God when he shows up in our day. Could this be a big day today that God has for us? But we don't see it because... We're so cluttered with plans and expectations and trying to get control of all the moving pieces so that it'll come to pass. That's why our prayers often sound like the Pharisees' comment to Jesus. We say, God, if you could just quiet down all this noise in my life, that we could get on to get on with that plan that I have about how my, wife, my life is gonna work out so much better. Right? And God says, you know that noise you're talking about? That's noise, that's my plan. That's my plan. And if you quiet that down, the earth itself will start getting on board with making sure that it happens. Even soulless, inanimate objects in this earth will take up the cause. You guys, that's a sad day 
I want you to hear this. That is a sad day when God has to use the rocks to cry out because our hearts have become so hard that we can't see them, we won't join them, and we can't rejoice in what we see them doing, right? That is a devastating day. Rocks, <laughs> rocks don't have a voice like we have, but how often are we sitting around silent when we should be shouting like that crowd was about everything that Jesus has done? Rocks can't move like we can. But how many times do we find ourselves sitting down, sitting by, immobile, when instead we should be up, following, dancing, jumping, shouting, doing, following Jesus? Rocks don't, they can't, they don't have a heart, they can't love, they can't feel. But how many times do we take that love and we keep it from being shown towards the God who loved us with everything that he had, everything that he was? And is. And we keep it from being shown to the people that he surrounds us with that he gave us to be able to love. You guys, human plans, expectations, and, and control, they've made a mess of this world. They've just made a mess. Made a mess of days that God had set apart and intended for joy and for wonder and for glory. You know, Psalm 118, that, that psalm that they were shouting in the streets when Jesus came into Jerusalem, in, in verse uh, 24 of Psalm 118, it says, this is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. This is that day. No other day. Not next week. Not this is God's day. You know, Luke continues in his story, and he says, as Jesus came over that hill and he saw Jerusalem, it says that he wept over the city. He wept over the city. And as he, was, as he wept, he said this. He said, Jerusalem, if you had just known that on this day, if you had known that on this day, and he says, known even yourself. It's a strange phrase he throws in there. But Jerusalem is actually a word that means something along the lines of he pours out his peace upon you or he pours out his peace through you or in you. He said, if you would have even known the purpose of yourself, let alone known all these things which truly make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. It was like Jesus walked in and they couldn't even see him. It was like God was doing something and they couldn't even see it. And it says, it goes on and, and the implication of what Jesus says that follows is that because they couldn't see it, because of their own plans, because of their own expectations and schemes and control and all that, that when they missed this, and because of their hard hearts, it says then, the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side and level you to the ground and your children will be buried within you. And they will not have... Uh, they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the day of your visitation. And, and we look at that, you know, it is one of the things, it's, it's a bad day, right? It's a bad day when we miss what God's doing, we fail to get on board with it, we push forward with our own plans. Why is it a bad day? Because God says it just leads to a bad ending. He didn't say, I'm gonna bring this on you. 
He said, your plans, your rejection of that day, your, your plans, your failure to see what I was doing, to get on board with what I was doing, your plans are the things that are laying the groundwork for this bad ending. And one of the things I was saving you from was from this kind of a bad ending. Isaiah 30, verse one, there's another of God's prophets, Isaiah. He writes, woe to the rebellious children who execute a plan but not mine, who make an alliance but not by my spirit with the result that they will pile sin upon sin, devastation upon devastation, bad ending upon bad ending because we didn't recognize the day of his visitation. God shows up to save us. And when we, when we reject that, we fail to see it, we fail to get on board with it, then we just ride out with our own plans, our own expectations, our own ability or inability to control the outcomes. Okay, that's the bad news. I don't wanna send you home yet because then you just be in mourning until Easter. <laughs> Where's the hope in that? Because we know with God there's always hope, amen? 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 The hope is this. Did you hear what Jesus said? God can make rocks cry out. You hear that? A rock that doesn't have a voice, that doesn't have a soul, that doesn't have, that doesn't have a heart. God can make rocks cry out. So here's the question. Could it be that maybe God could take even this hard heart in me and change it, transform it, so that even I, with all of my expectations, all of my plans, all of that desire from control, even I might be able to see that I would see what he's doing, that I could join him in it, that I could rejoice in what he's doing. Could it be? You know, sometimes when we get to that place that we recognize that, that you know, <laughs> I realize that not only am I, I do I have all these things, but I sometimes I'm so wrapped up in these things that I don't even see the fact that I'm missing God. I don't even, I don't even see the plan, let alone missing the plan as it plays out in front of me. I'm not even seeing that there's a plan there because I'm so wrapped up. And all I can do is, all I can do is throw myself before God and cry out and say, God, the God who makes, oh God, the one who makes rocks cry out, can you make this heart see? Can you soften my heart too so that I don't miss your work, so I don't miss your day, so I don't miss this day that was made for wonder and for glory, for joy? Amen? You guys, today, today is God's big day. Whether you know it or not, his spirit's here. The trees know it, the rocks know it, the heavens know it. The earth knows that today is God's big day because he said he is here. When we gather in his name, he is here. He's entered in. He's right here to be seen. He's right here to be known. He said today is a big day. In, in 2 Corinthians 3, you know, it, it says that what happened with Jesus on Palm Sunday, that was like a shadow. It was like a, a, a preview of what he wanted to do in us because he said, you know what? You know where the true temple is? You know where I really want to live? It's not a, a building in Jerusalem. It's in you. It's in you. In, in 2 Corinthians 3.16, it says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You've been designated by God to be the temple, the residence of his Holy Spirit. 
In, in Ephesians 2, 21 and 22, it says that you and I are like these stones that are being built up by God, never to be torn down, that we're like these stones that are built up into this house, this temple for God to reside in. Us. It says that Jesus, Palm Sunday was not just about Jesus physically showing up in Jerusalem on that day. Palm Sunday was letting us know that when Jesus shows up, he's there to live and he has come to live in us. So the question for us is, is this, will we take our plans, our expectations, right? Will we take all those things, those desires from control, will we set those aside? Will we lay them down so that we can really see what's going on here? We can see what God is doing. We can join him in it so that we can rejoice in this day, this day that he's made. That's the question. How do we do that? How do we do that? I think there's three things that I wanna leave you with this, this. A, A, admit, admit that it's possible. In fact, it's probable that at least a part of your heart or an area of your heart has been hardened. Just admit that before God, right? We go before God, we say, you know what? Probably happening in me too, right? Second, build a habit. B, build a habit. Admit, build a habit of praying that humble prayer every day as you get started. Build that, build that habit so that you pray every day. God, who can make even the rocks cry out in praise, please transform my heart with all of its plans and expectations and desire for control so that I too might live a life of seeing you and what you're doing, joining you in it and rejoicing in what I see. Just build a habit of humility, of starting out your day saying, God, on my own, I'm probably gonna miss it. So the God who can make even rocks cry out, work on this heart, amen? Third one is this, conform C, conform, yeah, A, B, C, we can remember that. Conform, conform your plans to what you see God doing. Conform your plans to what you see God doing. You won't be perfect at it at first, right? You're still gonna, your plans, all that, it's gonna get in the way, it's gonna mess up some things, but Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. And that doesn't just mean, hey, God, I see you there, but I'm gonna go this way. That means in your plans, you go, is this you? Is this you? Because if it's not you, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna do this if, if I don't, can't acknowledge you in my plans, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. You guys, this is God's day of salvation. It's not just Easter, it's also about Palm Sunday. It's about when Jesus shows up the first time, right? I mean, there are some things that changed everything on Easter, but there were some things that God meant to change on Palm Sunday a full week before that. He says when he shows up, we can see him, we can join him, we can rejoice in him. Because God wants to make you more like Jesus. God wants to transform your heart, your mind, your soul, all of it. And through you, transform the world. You believe that? Is this God's big day? Could it be that today he's here to meet you? Could it be that as we reach out, we just set all that aside, that we can meet him, we can invite him, he can come and take up residence in us in that new way that he intended?